African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and welcome to African Dialogue. I'm your host, Ayanda Mkwanazi. You're tuned into Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa. We bring you news from an African perspective. We're broadcasting live from our Johannesburg offices, our headquarters at the SABC. You can listen to us on www.channelafrica.co.za or you can live stream us on the DSTV channel. 802 that's on the audio bouquet. Well, land expropriation without compensation is a method to acquire land, but not the sum total of land reform or restitution. That's the long and short from the Presidential Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture, whose report was released last week. The report contains recommendations aimed at speeding up land reform and the redistribution of land. Among the recommendations is a constitutional amendment to allow for land expropriation without compensation in limited circumstances. Well, to help us with this discussion, we're joined on the line by Professor Ruth Hall from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape. She's also a member of the Presidential Expert Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture. Alongside her is Stanley Peterson, who is the leader of the Indigenous Land Rights Political Party, the Khoisan Revolution. Good morning and thank you both for joining us. Marisa, thank you. Hello, Professor. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Ayanda. Hello, Stanley. I just heard from Stanley. (laughs) Thank you so much. Let me start with you, Professor Ruth, and I'm sure you've heard this a number of times since this report was released. The, one, of the, one of the recommendations of amending Section 25 of the Constitution to allow for expropriation without compensation, but with limitations. What do they mean, but with limitations? What would these limitations entail? Uh, morning, Ayanda, and to all the listeners. Uh, what, what was proposed in this report is, firstly, that expropriation, expropriation is a legitimate tool for the state to use to bring about transformation and access to land. The Constitution, as it already is framed, um, requires just an equitable compensation, um, but this has not been tested up to now. The limitations that we refer to is that uh, expropriation without compensation should not, in our view, be implemented in each and every case. Uh, Each case should be dealt with on its own merits. In other words, um, there is a difference between what is being promoted in this report and the argument, for instance, by the economic freedom fighters uh, who have argued for nationalization of all land. In other words, all property uh, be, uh, be acquired compulsorily by the state without compensation. That would be all categories of land from every person uh, and every uh, commercial entity, for instance, uh, within South Africa. So we are not promoting nationalization of land, but rather an approach that allows for expropriation with compensation or without compensation depending on the circumstances. Mm. How did the panel come to its conclusion, Professor Hall? Well, firstly, let me say honestly, just uh, with difficulty, Mm. uh, there wasn't consensus within the panel. And in fact, two members of the panel uh, who who are both commercial farmers have published uh, an alternative report 
they reject the idea of constitutional amendment and they also reject the idea that there should be expropriation without compensation in any circumstances. So the process that was followed was that we had round tables, uh, 10 different round tables with different interest groups around the country. We also held two national colloquia and we also called for written submissions. Um, and then we also commissioned uh, an expert opinion from a property lawyer dealing with constitutional matters uh, whose view was that it is not necessary to change the constitution in order to expropriate without compensation, but that it could be uh, a, a constitutional amendment could clarify that compensation could be set at zero. Of course, while we were in this process, Parliament already voted that there should be a constitutional amendment. Mm. So in a sense, um, uh, while, while we were busy, Parliament had already decided that, and so we proposed potential wording, which is basically to say that there could be a clarification in the Constitution that compensation can be zero. I want to say that we identified 10 categories or situations where expropriation could or should attract no compensation in our view. Of course, this will be determined whether or not it should go into the expropriation bill. I'm sure it will be tested in court afterwards, but the 10 categories we've identified on land that is abandoned, hopelessly indebted, held for spe speculative purposes, um, unused land owned by the state, land obtained through criminal activity, land already used by labor tenants and other farm dwellers, uh, informal settlements, um, uh, areas, uh, inner city buildings with absentee mm -hmm. landlords, land donations, and farm equity schemes. So what you can see is that these are situations where land is not performing its social function. Uh, and where we think that the public interest in land reform uh, can be argued to trump the private ownership uh, by landowners who do not have effective occupation and use of that land. Uh, so that is what we're proposing. And importantly, also, we propose a compensation policy that sets out situations where there should be some compensation, not necessarily always at market price. Just before I, I, I come to Stanley, uh, Professor Ruth, so the panel is satisfied that they included everybody uh, in terms of, you know, before making these recommendations while doing investigations that you, you, you kind of looked at the broader society of the country. Well, within constraints, given that we had uh, extremely little time and almost no budget, so there were constraints. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I fully recognize that. Um, yeah, so we, we drew on uh, those who we were able to connect with through the process. I am absolutely certain uh, that uh, that uh, the Khoisan groups who have argued for constitutional amendment, for instance, to change the 1913 cutoff date for restitution claims will be disappointed by our report uh, because uh, we specifically argue that that amendment should not be made uh, but we argue that uh, Khoisan and other claims falling outside of the 1913 cutoff date, in other words, those who were dispossessed before that, mm. uh, should be prioritized within the redistribution process. And we specifically call on the minister to prioritize Khoisan claims and to engage with those groups around what land and territory they are claiming. Mm. Stanley Peterson, you're from the indigenous land rights political party the Khoisan revolution your reaction to the report do you feel it was inclusive of the Khoisan people before I can respond I just want to make four points clear from the thing mm -hmm. I'm speaking also on behalf of the National Khoisan Council okay. uh, which only speak with uh, the National Khoisan Council uh, the sole mandate holder to speak with government regarding recognition 
Okay, First thank of all, you. On the expertise, we were not included in anything. Mm. Look, when we had land and we were here first, there were no experts. So now our problem is uh, the president, we have in it. Hello, Stanley. I can hear you. You're back there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we applaud the president and we applaud the panel there. Mm-hmm. But we as indigenous people believe in nothing for us without us. We were not part of that panel. Mm-hmm. Remember, before anybody arrived here in South Africa, we, were, we didn't arrive. We were found here. Mm-hmm. So at that time, we managed to our land and we stay on our land. Now, a expert, uh, panel of experts must discuss the land issue which, which concern us, and that's our problem. Mm. We were not part, firstly, of that. And secondly, I heard the professors talking this. Remember the Constitution talk about Chapter 2, talk about public consultations, and that's why the La Mosa case was there. There were no public consultations. Mm. We were not part of this. And I, can, I put it here on record on the radio now. On the 7th of December, our chairperson, Cesar Lafleur, uh, were sitting in the, in the land summit where the... Where the, where the commission of the panel were there. The, de- the deputy president was supposed to be there, but he wasn't there. Yeah. So the, the, the then uh, uh, pr- uh, presid- uh, minister in the presidency, uh, Minister uh, Kani Zuma, she was there. And he objected and told them in front of them, uh, they must remember, and we put it in writing through Kokta, that we are not part of this. And why are we not part of this? It become a huge problem for the Koi and San people. Mm-hmm. The professor also mentioned the thing of the 1913, pre-1913 yes. and post-1932. For us, it's very difficult to 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 put land things in, for example, or to take land because we lost our majority of land before 1913. And remember one thing: there's a thing of title deeds. Mm-hmm. In the past, there were no title deeds. We were here without title deeds. Now that you have to prove these things and you have to stay there, so. It's problematic for us. Mm-hmm. That's why we said uh, that the land issue is very important. Currently now, as we stand, we're busy approaching the Equality Court and the court to stop all these processes, even the report, because uh, we said everybody's talking about land. We had the, the, the Emirate chairperson here, Dr. Barumi from the United Nations, mm-hmm. and he was posting these things. Everybody in South Africa uh, approached land through color. In, in other words, we as black people said that white people stole the land, and white said no, what we didn't stole. But we as Kwe and Sun, we are the custodians. Land that uh, land has got other meaning for us. It's not about color. We we were here, and we were the land. That is our point of view, mm. the starting point. How would you like government to address this land issue as far as the Koensan people are concerned? I mean, you are saying that you are in the process or you will be in the process of approaching the Equality Court. Do you want the process um, to be redone in its entirety? Look, uh, look what, what we did now. We, uh, we're approaching our certification first in the, in the, in the High Court through a C, uh, senior SC in Cape Town because we have the opinion that you cannot talk about us, for example, uh, recognition, our land and everything, as if we don't exist in South Africa. We are South African citizens. Currently, we are not recognized as, a, as, as citizens, besides first people, as citizens, because now there's currently a bill entered. So we want government, wherever there's issues concerning us, especially with land, they must, they must, cons- they must, they must consult us. For example, there was an exception policy. A government reopened land now two years ago. 
the, the Constitutional Court on 27 uh, July 2014 stopped the land claims, but said all land claims before, uh, just make an example, before uh, 2016 that was put in uh, are valid land claims. Now that time lapsed. The, uh, the Constitutional Court gave Parliament two years. It lapsed last year, 27 July. And I'm just wondering, by looking at the report, there's nothing of that in the report. Because remember now, the, the land claims are reopened. The Constitutional Court uh, closed it because of the Lamosa claimants. But, but now that the time lapsed for the two years, what's happening now? Did the Commission ever look or into that? Uh, because there's not, no, nothing mentioned. If you look at the Commission's report, they stated, for example, the, 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 the land of the coin fund in the Western Cape. They said the coin fund were there, everything, blah, blah, blah. But it stopped there. It doesn't make recommendations, for example, then if we are there and we are the first and we are there, there's nothing that says, for example, the, then the Western kid, we must, uh, and the Northern kid, we must claim that land. So that is the thing that you want to do. You don't say, you, one, one radio uh, presenter was asking me this thing, but you are claiming the whole country. Say you claim, for instance, the Western kid. What will happen with the people, the factories? We said, no, we don't want that. There must be an alternative. Currently, there's 17 million open land. Mm. If we cannot have the entire CBD of Cape Town as our first ancestral land, give us an alternative. For example, give us 5 million land, state-owned land, because it's state-owned. Professor Hall, would you like to, to respond there to, to Stanley before I go for a break? Yes, please. Thank you, Ayanda. And, and um, yes, in response to Stanley um, and to, I mean, the very valid and legitimate concerns of you know, people who've effectively been left out of the restitution process. Uh, I wanted just to mention that, um, you know, when we looked at the restitution uh, claims process, uh, for instance, when the high-level panel was reporting to Parliament, we looked at the rate at which uh, the, the Commission, uh, the Land Claims Commission, is resolving claims. Now, looking at all the claims that have been submitted and the pace at which they're being settled, we estimated that it would take around 144 years to resolve mm. the claims. You know, so actually we have a crisis in terms of restitution. Mm. We have complex claims. They have to be researched. There has to be archival evidence. It has to go to court. It's a very onerous process. And actually what restitution does is it shifts the responsibility of proving this possession onto the claimants. They have to show when and how the ancestors were dispossessed. They have to prove that it was because of racial discrimination and so on. And uh, and we, our view as a panel uh, was that actually the reason why a lot of people are now pinning their hopes on restitution is because that the land redistribution process has been so inadequate and so so, so slow. So people are feeling that restitution is the only way to get land, whereas mm-hmm. actually redistribution doesn't require you to show particular historical connections or to have proof of occupation of particular parcels of land. There is ministerial discretion, and that's why we said actually rather than uh, going through this very slow and, um, and onerous process and costly process, mm-hmm. uh, both for claimants and the state, uh, that going through the redistribution process uh, is far preferable. And that's where, um, in our view, with, with political pressure and political will, the minister would be able to engage with Khoisan people around the territory and land that they want, how they wish to hold it, under what institutional forms, uh, and how they wish to use it. Um, and so that, that was our proposal, and I'm interested also to hear Stanley's response on that. Stanley? Yes. Would you like to respond I, to that? 
Yes, I agree fully with the with the with the, with the, with the professor. You know, uh, to 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 expedite this thing currently, uh, you know, uh, there is open vacant land currently. Mm. So if we, for instance, instead of uh, amend the constitution now, it will took you know it's it's process. It will took a long time. Then is the director Zelwer then must come in, and then it's court cases. Then it says all these things took time, as she said, mm. and especially then. So currently, what we propose is. Let's use the current existing open vacant state land mm. and then take it from there. Mm. From there we can take it, but, but the problem is uh, uh, we are not consulted. We are not there to give proposals and that's, that, mm. that is our problem. We are, we are being left out and that's why we're saying, for example, that's why, that's why there are so many uh, hatred in the country mm. about this land issue. That's why we said for mm. us, we have a moral, op- we belong, you know, the land in us, are one. We're not here to fight each other, but we are here to, to give solutions to each other. And that's what came to, and I'm glad the professor mentioned the minister might do it. But the problem with us is the minister and all these people, they don't meet the people. They don't have meetings with the people mm. to discuss with the relevant. Mm. That is the problem that we experience. Mm. Well, that's the voice of Stanley Peterson, who is the leader of the Indigenous Land Rights Political Party, the Khoisan Revolution, also speaking on behalf of the National Khoisan Council. Alongside him is Professor Ruth Hall from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape, speaking to us on the line. Let's take a short break and we'll continue after this. Building Africa with love. Bujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Welcome to Change Your Game here on Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Asanda Peta. What uh, GDF Forum is about and what an opportunity it provides specifically for the audience of Change Your Game. At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. More support, just like invest more in young creatives and entrepreneurship, but actually do it. Don't just talk about it, actually do it, you know, because there are a lot of creative minds, there are a lot of intelligent human beings in our country, so I think they should invest more in that and take it seriously, because it's a real thing. Catch us every Friday at 900 hours Central African time with Channel Africa, the African Perspective. Well, thank you for joining us. It's 26 minutes after 11. I'm on the line with Professor Ruth Hall from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of Cape Town, of the Western Cape, rather. And she's also a member of the Presidential Expert Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture. Also joined by Stanley Peterson, who is the leader of the Indigenous Land Rights Political Party, the Khoisan Revolution also speaking on behalf of the National Khoisan Council. We're looking at the South African Presidential Land Reform and Agricultural Advisory Panel, which is out for public comment. The land issue, a very heated and sensitive debate that's going on here in South Africa. Professor Hall, if I can just come back to you. There were also concerns around food security, um, calls for the expedition of land reform. Is there a way that 
all of this can be done without compromising uh, food security? Thank you, Ayanda. It is, of course, a complex uh, question. Um, And there is certainly a view uh, in some quarters that uh, land reform that takes land that is currently under commercial production, farmland that is being commercially farmed, uh, and redistributing it, particularly to people who have limited skills and experience and also limited capital for farming, endangers food security. Now, this may be the case, and of course, the, the... the pretty disappointing track record of land reform so far in terms of people being able to continue with production uh, is worrying. Uh, what uh, what was addressed in our panel report was the view that, in fact, uh, it is possible uh, to, uh, to both maintain and even improve uh, food security via land reform. Firstly, if you target people who have experience in farming, Um, And, of course, the vast majority of farmers in South Africa are black small-scale farmers, Mm -hmm. particularly in the communal areas, also on the edges of rural towns. There are also people with skills and experience in farming, particularly farm workers, uh, who who have skills and experience. Um, And the key issues are around uh, access to adequate support, training, input into production, uh, access to credit, and access to markets. So we do have a, a variety of recommendations Uh, around that. Uh, We also think that a subdivision of farmland is an important um, component. For instance, a lot of commercial farms are not under full production. There's a lot of underutilized land that's already privately owned on commercial farms but not actually used. And so we are promoting a view that subdivision of land to promote actually the increase of, of, uh, of land under production is possible and that a targeted approach can help with this. Importantly, we propose also uh, the strengthening of the land bank Mm. and the development of a land reform fund so that people who access land through land reform do have access to finance. We know that uh, many of them are not able to access finance from the big banks, uh, and what's crucial is um, is that there are preferential lending terms for people who do not have a track record in terms of um, access and credit. So those are some of the proposals that we have made uh, in terms of ensuring that land reform doesn't endanger food security and, enforce, and in fact, can strengthen it. Uh, those, those are some of the, of the recommendations. Stanley, what's, what's your viewpoint? I mean, if government were to say, here's land to the Koyansan people, would you be capable at that point to farm the land and to work the land? It's very simple, Ayala. You know, we are born. You know, we are born farmers. We are. We know the land. You know, on on you go. You can go to every fa- farm. Our Khoisan people, they farm the farm. Mm. But but I might take. I just want to add what the professor and what you were asking the professor is. First example, we've got about three to six thousand farms that they gave back to our communities, black communities, and our Khoisan community. Then they give them uh, equipment. But look at the farms now. It, it's just lying around. We, we, we read the, uh, there's the land, we give it back to them, and the land is there. So our problem is this. We believe in mentorship. You know, uh, once you give a piece of land, for example, with people that have no, uh, no experience, give a mentor with them. Because giving the land to a person, uh, giving them uh, equipment of free capital to start something, it, it will last just for a few months. Mm. Uh, so this is our take uh, into this, uh, for example, you must you you cannot give persons land 
without trying to recapitalize it or mm. give them a coupon. But with it, they must come mentorship mm. uh, with this thing. You know, from our side as well, Ayanda, if, you know, if you, for example, take a farmer's farm away from you, remember most of the farmers are quite insane people. Mm. And there's, there's family staying on that, on, that, uh, on that farm. What will happen with this, with this family? Some of these families are staying for centuries on these farms. Now we have a problem in the, in the Western Cape, for example, where these people are being evicted from the farms. They're staying there in a squatter camp in Pau. Mm. They, they were never been in a, in a city or a suburb. So now they've been exposed to many things. And the only trading thing they know is to farm. So, uh, yes, to answer your questions, we are much capable uh, of that, but we also want with it mentorship as well. Mm. You, you're mentioning there the, the, this, um, the, the evictions there in the Western Cape. I mean, do you think that this process, Stanley, can unfold in a dignified manner where we won't be seeing wide-scale evictions? There's the reason why I'm mentioning this. Mm. For example, we, you remember now, government proposed many things. They proposed the reopening of the land claims. Then they came with a 50-50 uh, policy. There's a 50-50 policy which they said people or farmers that work on the farm, they will have 50% of the farm with the farm itself. Mm. Those processes and things that we are looking into, but it just disappeared out of, uh, you know, we don't know what happened with this. Now there's a new thing now of, of, of this uh, land appropriation without compensation. You see, we start a thing and we end half. Mm. This is our problem with, with our government. Mm. And yet we said we want to applaud them. We want to go uh, the path with them. Because really, it, land is a very serious issue for all of us. So we are South Africans. We were asking this question. If to be an African, how do you find to be an African? Do you be, uh, must you be black, white, colored, or Khoisan? We are all Africans, and we are all uh, indigenous. Mm. So why now uh, hate each other or take other? But we must address the land issue in a in a very serious issue. We must tell the farmers, listen, you know, it's our land. But we, you know, let's find a common ground how we must share the land, or or what is the process we must do. That is the thing that we were that we want to bring to the table. But we are not allowed because we are not part of this discussion. Mm. Professor Hall, I mean, rightfully so, this has um, triggered quite different uh, reactions. Can there be approach that we can adopt to deal with opposition politics around this land and agrarian change? Sorry, Ayanda, could you ask the question again? Um, I'm just saying, I'm emphasizing what Stanley is saying, that everybody is so sensitive around this issue because it's so important for all of us. And, um, you know, we can't also separate the politics that come into land. What approach can be adopted to deal with the opposition politics around this land issue? um, Well, firstly, I think that uh, there's a need for um, for engagement uh, at, at different levels. Uh, one of the proposals that our panel made is that we actually think that while sort of a broad approach can be framed at national level, uh, the politics around land often plays out at the local level. It's around questions of, you know, if, in a given district, who owns what, who's landless, who's been evicted, where are the small-scale farmers, where are the Khoisan people, where are the people living in informal settlements. And so our view is that actually it's at a local level uh, that there needs to be engagement between those who hold property and those who are landless and around uh, competing views of how land should be redistributed. But at a national level, I would agree with Sandy that there, 
there hasn't been uh, this is this has not been resolved uh, the, the big question of, of of how people see the way forward um, I hope that, uh, that following our presidential panel report there will be a government process to engage with people and to take uh, to engage with citizens to engage with organized groupings such as the Quetan Leadership Council uh, among others and to say here is what we now plan to do and to set out a roadmap of activities and to say here are the proposals of the panel that we endorse these are the ones we don't and here's what we're going to do over the coming period up to now two weeks ago uh, cabinet received our report um, they broadly in principle approved it, but that doesn't mean that they approved of the content. Mm -hmm. And now there is an interministerial committee chaired by the deputy president, which is meeting, as I understand it, on a fortnightly basis uh, to take forward the panel recommendations. So I hope that that will not just be a process behind closed doors, but that there will be an engagement between government and society as a whole to say, here's the plan going forward, uh, so that there is further opportunity to engage. Um, but I'm not sure what the process will look like. Well, that's the voice of Professor Ruth Hall from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape. She's also joined by Stanley Peterson, who's the leader of the Indigenous Land Rights Political Party, the Khoisan Revolution, also speaking on behalf of the National Khoisan Council. Let's take a last break and then we get our final comments. In each and every one of us, there, there is, is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live, live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by design, design, be the architect of your life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African perspective. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements, the voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that in about seven minutes, we'll get an update from our econ desk, followed by our sports desk. Stanley Peterson, what's the way forward for the Khoi and San uh, people? Thank you very much. The way forward for us, on the 7th of December, the, the uh, panel were meeting in Johannesburg. Our national chairperson, Cecil Fleer, were there. Mm. He, he objected and he also told them, what is our view? And we put it in writing. Up until now, the writing proposal to meet with us to get our input, there was no communication up until now. Now you see, this is where the problem starts. Mm. Once, once government said, 
And when they go to the United Nations, they said, we established this organization, National Question Council, is speaking on their behalf, and, and, and they want us to be part of it. Now we consulted them. We requested a meeting and an intake in this. It never happened. And now the report is being out and launched. Mm-hmm. So the way forward for us is, as a matter of urgency, the minister, after Minister Quinty left uh, as Minister of Rural Development, there were no, absolutely zero, no engagement with any koi and sun structure in South Africa. And that's a huge problem. I think the president and the panel, whoever, must look into this matter. Because that's why we felt we always uh, supported, we always acknowledge, we always uh, give our support to government at all times. But now we seem to, there's a, there's a lack of disrespect in their department towards us as mm-hmm. a koi and sen and as national leaders. So, uh, as I'm saying, to the, uh, that's just a recent case, I think in 2017 uh, 18, of the Oki people of Kenya, where, where they go to the, where they went to the African court. And, uh, you know, they won the case against mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kenya, the, the Kenyan government. So we, we are using the same approach and using the same uh, reference to the, of the Oki people. If our own government that we supported and helped tend against us. Mm-hmm. Professor Ruth Hall, what, 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 are, what are your closing statements there? I mean, the report is out. It's out for public comment. Where to from here? Um, thank you, Ayanda. Um, so my understanding is that uh, a cabinet has been given two months for every minister to study the report and to respond and also specifically to identify what each minister, whether it's a relevant implication for their ministry, what they're going to do about it. Uh, so I understand that that means that uh, by late September, there should be an official government response. So we are in a waiting period um, for now. Uh, meanwhile, uh, although this was a presidential panel, uh, the chair of the Portfolio Committee in Parliament, Nkosi Mandela, has said that uh, he would like uh, the, the report to be tabled at that committee so that Parliament also can engage. Um, in terms of the way forward, there are priority actions, including around law and policy. Uh, there's uh, changes that we propose in terms of strengthening the land claims court, mm-hmm. particularly appointing a permanent judge, uh, and also amending the, 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 the law so that the court has broader jurisdiction, not only on restitution claims, but more generally. There's a call for a donation policy so that uh, the, the landowners can be encouraged to donate land um, mm-hmm. and that they can be exempt from donation tax if they're contributing land to land reform. There are ten, uh, proposals around financing and the land reform fund, I know that the discussions are underway with the land bank now on that. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of changes immediately underway. I think that the big sticking points are probably going to be around the issue of communal land and mm-hmm. also the status of the Ingonyama Trust, which is um, unusual in South Africa in that the, the land of that trust was transferred away from the state to uh, to a private trust um, in 1994. Uh, and there are also important recommendations around farm dwellers uh, that I hope will also be, be engaged with. So there are many issues. It's not just expropriation without compensation. Uh, there are broader proposals around uh, land reform, both rural and urban. And I think that that's also an important point to emphasize, that uh, land reform needs to be both an urban and a rural exercise. Um, and one thing I want to mention uh, that was fairly encouraging is that the Minister of Public Works, Patricia DeLille, has announced a freeze 
on the sale, or in other words, the privatization of urban unutilized state land. In other words, that there shouldn't be a selling off of public land in the cities mm. prior to looking at the potential use of that for social housing and other public purposes. In other words, um, land reform has to go urban as well. Yes. So I think that those are the processes. Uh, it is a complicated process mm. and it requires cooperation across government. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, other than what I've said, exactly how the process will unfold. Mm. Complicated and a bit lengthy, Professor Hall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose so. I mean, this is a long-term uh, mm. process uh, of land reform. Land reform has been going too slowly. Uh, we are now 25 years into democracy. Um, and I think that the frustration uh, of many groups in society suggests that we cannot just continue in the way that we have. Uh, people have blamed the willing buyer, willing seller approach. People have blamed the constitution. But it's also clear that government needs to have a plan mm. and needs to have institutions capable of implementing such a plan. Uh, and we have made recommendations and very much hope that uh, this report will contribute to uh, a, a more coherent intergovernmental uh, response. Well, thank you so much to you, Professor Ruth Hall from the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape. She is also a member of the Presidential Expert Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture. Thank you so much to you, Stanley Peterson, the leader of the Indigenous Land Rights Political Party, the Khoisan Revolution, also representing the National Khoisan Council. Thank you to you both. Thank you, Ayanda. Thank you, Ayanda.